young man. I will not stand for such nonsense in my classroom. I got enough nonsense from that no-good, two-timing, low-down, handsome man of mine. Oh, Jimmy Brown, why did you have to leave me so? And now, with my father threatening to close the school, and that wild gorilla on the loose, why, Jimmy, I just have one thing to say. A is for the apple that he gave to me, but I found a worm inside. B is for beloved that I called to. Ooh, that lady's got some baggage. Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s wander aimlessly through a dark and haunted wood and talk about anime. I'm Josh. I'm Andy. Talk about things that aren't anime this episode. I'm Bill. Yeah, hey! Correction! Oh! Yeah, so welcome guys. We are back for our second of our summer viewing program. Yay! And it's last time, man. if you missed it, we read... Not read. We, we read... <laughs> I thought of summer reading program. There we go. Uh, it, it finally works. Last time, we watched episodes of Dragon Ball Z Abridged. And in watching Dragon Ball Z Abridged, we had actually a really good conversation about little... Dragon Ball Z and a little bit about Dragon Ball Z Abridged. So if <laughs> right. you missed the last episode, we talked a lot about Dragon Ball Z and then eventually kind of started talking about mm-hmm. the work from Team Four Star. Yeah. But it was, it was fun. It was, it was a fun. It was fun conversation. I'm really glad you guys um, enjoyed it, and I hope you guys will continue to watch. Where you I almost off. the other day turned it on randomly, but I was like, oh, "I'm so tired. I don't feel like watching anything." <laughs> I probably won't. Oh, Bill, you'll love the Cell stuff, though. I mean, not just Cell verses, but I mean, when they introduce uh, the Cell saga, it's some pretty funny stuff. Yeah. He literally talks out of his ass at one point. Okay, that is pretty funny. <laughs> I'll continue to watch the Cell verses for sure. Okay. This week we're going to talk about a different program, and it's Bill's Week. And as we've talked about before, Bill asked us to watch Over the Garden Wall, a mini-series of sorts from Cartoon Network. First off, I have to apologize to our friends over at Gameable, because just last month they did a Over the Garden Wall series. Mm -hmm. And I had planned this for a while for a summer viewing program. that's true. And it just kind of worked out this way. Yeah. So if you're a fan of both podcasts, you just happen to listen to both, uh, you get to hear some other I was not trying to chomp flavor. <laughs> you got that from Griffin McElroy, by the way. I, I did. <laughs> I am chomping flavor. I am chomping that flavor. Yes. Irony. I, I noticed that as I was listening to it. I'm like, wait a minute. I remember hearing that just recently. Irony. Irony. Quit taking other people's stuff, Bill. <laughs> anyway. In fairness, I'm not so much stealing chomping flavor. As it just kind of worked its way into my brain. Yeah. And now you, you it, heard now, it too many times. Now it lives there. That's true. I guess before we start talking about Over the Garden Wall and why you chose it and kind of our thoughts on the characters in the series and just in general, it as an artistic form, maybe we could talk a little nerd news. So, so I don't have much for nerd news this week, so I'll just go very quickly. First of all, I went to Gen Con recently. Woo! Had a good yeah. time. This is my fifth ever Gen Con. 
and uh, it was the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. Oh, and yeah, it was a fifty years, fifty Seriously? years of Gen yep. Con. God yes, damn. it was a big deal. And you know, I was surprised. I was going in thinking because they this is the first year they've sold out of all their tickets. Yeah, like going Holy in, shit. I'm thinking, oh shit, this is going to be insanity. And it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Was it more amazing than most years? I don't know. I mean, like I'm talking strictly from the idea of how busy, first of all, that it would have been. And yeah. like Just I expected the sheer mass of yeah. humanity. I expected mm-hmm. not to be able to park. We parked every day, even a day when we were running a little bit behind. We got there and we still found parking. Oh, that's relatively good. close, like our normal parking garage we always go to. So <laughs> aside from you know that, I, the old hobo urinal. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Basically, essentially. And I uh, mark there. Yeah. Well, Ray did too. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I'm going to pee. And I'm like, well, let's just go up. And I'm like, oh, you're peeing. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point. <laughs> I mean, it already smells like piss this entire place, so whatever. No, it was a good time. And there were only a few moments where it really felt like there were a lot of people. And I think that they expanded out the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, last year, they added the stadium, parts of it that you could go to. They put all the oh, anime wow. stuff in the stadium. Oh, cool. And that was cool. But now they opened up literally the floor of the stadium. And they had, like, literally you walk out onto the field, and they had gaming stuff set up all on the field. So wow. that was cool. Jeez, and they moved True Dungeon over toward the field. So, like, cool. they all that area that was once all just True Dungeon, and they opened that up to other gaming. Oh, cool. So I think that the expansions helped quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. making it feel like you weren't necessarily all kind of on top of each other. So, like, the people that really love True Dungeon, there's a really heavy following for that. And if you're not sure what True Dungeon is, Google it. It's basically live-action role-play, but not necessarily LARPing. It's more strategy-based and puzzle-solving, essentially. It was, it, it's kind of a... It's almost like live-actioning a D&D video game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I gotta say, though, the year that the three of us and Ray came, we all did it, and it was some of my favorite experiences that it was fun. all four of us got to do that. Yes, that that was fun, being able to play all of us together. I've done it twice, and I've, I've had a blast both times. Oh, it's a clock! I don't know. They, they were, that was just like my one shining moment. Was You're all trying to figure out that, that one table, and I just look at it. It's a clock! And everyone's like... <laughs> I, I think it's the company, because I enjoyed it with you guys, but just looking at it objectively, some of the things were really janky. It was. It didn't seem like as polished and as cool as I thought it was going to be. Like I had this image built up from you guys talking about it as being something really big, and it felt not really as big well, as, I, as I thought it was going to be. And the first year I did it, I had Nash with as a bard, and he's singing loudly the whole time. Yeah, and body limericks and, and the whole, yeah, the whole night. And we just we had a great, great group the first yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I suppose if I did True Dungeon and I was with just like a pickup group, yeah. It'd be it I didn't, I didn't know the people. I didn't like the people. They weren't boisterous idiots like we all are. Mm-hmm. It would not be the same experience as Absolutely. just going in there with... We all knew, knew each other, at least marginally. Yeah, that helps. We're all having a lot of fun. Like I said, Nash is singing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just not the same as... Yeah, just walking in there and you're like, do-do-do, bloop-bloop-bloop, I did this puzzle, bloop-bloop-bloop, mm-hmm. I did this puzzle. Yeah. You know, we got into it. And we did two together. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, go, if you do it, do it with people. Yeah, definitely. If you have a group, go with the group. Uh, so instead, we didn't do a lot. This was a, I've okay. noticed that like over the years, I sign up for less and less events. So like this year, we did Killer Breakfast. We did Gamers Always Live. 
Code Rex was always a good time. Gamers Live was also a lot Gamers of fun. Live was fun. Yep. One time I did it. This year this year I'll give it a little bit of criticism. I felt like it felt like they were a little more haphazard this year, like they didn't really prepare or have a good background story. One of my favorite things were the characters, not the characters in the game, but like the actual people they play and the interpersonal sort of things and drama. This is gamers? No, gamers, no. Okay. yes, gamers. Yeah. And that was lacking severely. So, like, this oh. year, the gamers... I mean, it was still fun, but, like, it could have been a lot better. Right. So, uh, but Killer Breakfast was really fun. The guy that always shows up, that that always shows up every year... Nash's, and Nash's friend? The I don't know. The guy that, like, tries to one-up it every single year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and Nash are friends. Oh, I didn't We know. hung out with him a lot oh, okay. the year I went, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They, this year, did a recreation of the front cover of the first edition PHB, where they're pulling out the gem from the eye <laughs> of the statue. Oh <laughs> that was really, really good. Cool. That was fantastic. So, I, we did that. We played a mouse guard game. That was a lot of fun. And then we did uh, Wasabi Anime's Mystery Science, or Mystery Anime Theater 3000. Which was an absolute blast. They did the Pokemon, the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that's why you and Ray were talking about and it. It was pretty epic. Yeah, it was pretty. You were talking good, about so. it on one of your uh, Pokemon generations. So yeah, and when we weren't doing that, we were around the vendor hall a lot. We went to food trucks. We, you know, we tried Primanti Brothers, which was probably one of my favorite places I've ever eaten. So good, and uh, just good, good played... cosplays. Not as much this year. What I was really last year's cosplays were fantastic. Some of the best cosplay I've ever seen this year. We didn't see a lot of really good cosplay, or just in general, a lot of cosplay. Wow. We felt like the cosplay was really light. And then I spent $250 getting Ray a leather vest for his costume, because uh, he really, really wanted it. Right. right. And, nice and I told right him, there. I said, okay, I will get it for you, because, you know, it's just, it'll work better financially if I pick it up, so. Right. So he's, he's really stoked. He's got that in the bracers and his cloak and, and he's, he's, he's got he, his swords. He's got his swords and his, uh, what do you call that thing that you put the sword in? The scabbard? No, no. Sheath? Like the, it's like a little loop, just a little loop thing. Oh, it's frog. Frog, yes, thank you. And so he just needs a belt and a, and a good undershirt and, and some good pants and he'll, he'll basically have everything he needs, so. It's pretty neat. So we're going to be doing another D&D game and he's going to show up in character. And probably true. Play. I bet you at it's some not, point he probably, he probably would at some point. Because he's done it. He always does it. That's yeah. always fun. Yeah. So well, I'm glad you guys had a good time. Yeah, we had a really good time. It was just a nice getaway and uh, a lot of fun. So yeah. that's all I really... I mean, I have something else, but I'll save it until next time. I have a little bit of nerd news. So do you guys have anything this week? And if not, we can just jump um, into Garden Wall. I started watching Defenders. Yeah, we missed the... That was going to be my nerd news last week. We missed the debut of Defenders. Right. I've only watched two episodes so far. It's definitely better than Iron Fist, but almost as a meta commentary on the Netflix Marvel shows, Iron Fist is still the worst character. Yeah. That's why I keep hearing. Yeah, no, he absolutely is the worst character. That's it. I've only watched a couple episodes. He's I, I mean, such just an idiot. Danny meeting. I think the episode ended with Danny fighting uh, uh, Luke. Yeah, his ass whooped by his Luke. ass kicked by Luke. Yeah, but I enjoyed Defenders overall. Yeah. Um, and then they also announced uh, via teaser trailer Punisher. I mean, we already kind of talked about Punisher being a show. Mm-hmm. Teaser trailer's out. Cool. Okay. That's cool. And I'm, I'm jazzed about it. Yeah, that'll be really good, I oh, think. Oh, wait. I do have one more nerd, bit, bit of nerd, nerd news. There's a new teaser trailer for uh, Deadpool 2. He's literally saving a cat for 30 seconds. Out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he walks That's up to, to, some, to some kid and he's like, my cat's stuck in a tree. He goes, I hate cats. All right, <laughs> hold on. Pulls out the guns. The cat's like, no! He goes, no, hold them. They're heavy. Climbs up the tree, gets the cat down, goes, I hate cats. And that's it. That's literally it. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> 30 seconds. 
Still one of the best teasers ever. Huh. Yeah, no, I, that'll be interesting. Does that have a date yet? Is no, that they next are year, filming. Um, they've uh, released images of Josh Brolin's yeah, I've seen cable that. outfit. And that looks good. And there was a story about a stunt woman that died. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, um, motorcycle accident. Oh, is that was that for that movie? Yeah, I heard, overheard. I was kind of watching the news. And I didn't. It was on catch the actual. A yeah, a while back. Huh. Yeah, a woman died uh, uh, doing a stunt. Yeah, yeah, that was the same time that Tom Cruise like broke like some ribs or something trying to do some stunts too. Like the same day. Oh, really? On a different movie. Yeah, he was doing a yeah. jump to rooftop to rooftop thing and didn't quite make it across because he does a lot of his own stunts in his movies, yeah. and uh, he like busted himself up pretty good. His Thetan count was off. It must be. Uh, so let's jump into Over the Garden Wall, shall we? Uh, Bill, this you was your... Jump in or jump over? over. Ha. <laughs> ha. Okay, we're done. Yep. So, Bill, you chose it this time. Yes. And uh, I just kind of want to hear what your thoughts were for choosing this. What were your... What led you to... Since, again, you're not the kind of person that cares, like you said, about characters, or voice actors, rather, or, you know... The statistics and stats and background, cl- or which studio? Created yeah, that's not your that's for... not your flavor. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> tell us a bit about huh. why you chose this particular show. I love the art style first and foremost. Uh, it's a little simplistic, but that's not always bad. You know, a good cartoonist, good simplistic style can really show off a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this had it, and then some. The story really spoke to me. The whole. Journey to Another World is a trope you see a lot. But this was sort of a... It was both child-friendly, something I could watch with my daughter, who loves spooky stuff anyway. But it was definitely deep and engaging and thoughtful enough to keep myself watching it. I thought it was well well acted. We kind of discussed it earlier, the music, but I think the music was always interesting, if not always necessarily something you want to put on your iPod and listen to over and over. Okay. I just I thought it was really just moody. Very, I think yeah. The tone, the atmosphere is is fantastic. Yeah, that I that, agree. that is one of the things about it. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to the art, I one of my favorite things about the art in this, I like the simplicity, and this is going to sound weird, but I just like the fact that it starts with the Cartoon Network thing, and you it's the look different from Cartoon Network shows. Yes. Because that's one of the things, I know you guys love those Cartoon Network shows, and I haven't really gotten into them, so I can't say I love them just because I haven't tried them yet. But one of my gripes about those shows is they all look the same. We've talked about that, I think, right. before, I think too. We that, like, We've definitely talked about it. I don't know if we did it on air. I don't know air, if we did but... on air, but like the reason is because those people were all kind of involved in the same sort of They're... projects. Yeah. yeah, they work and together. And because they work together, the style is so similar. So it was it was refreshing to see something that didn't look like Steven Universe, it didn't look like Adventure Time, it didn't look like one of those shows. Right. Regular show. Or, yeah. Or, so uh, that was, I think, really cool. Flapjack. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Flapjack, I mean. Yeah, Flapjack. The Chowder, even. I mean, that was yeah, all kind of... all of them yeah. kind of melded together into one sort of... They felt like they all were one show. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really refreshing. I liked the art style as well. Right. I, I found the art, art style to be enjoyable. Not, you know, no obsession of over-detail, but yet... Some great details in the simplic- in the simplicity of the design, I want to say. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the great thing about those designs is the right. the detail you want to be there really shines through. Mm-hmm. One of the things about that simplistic art style that you were pointing out that didn't need to be a huge focus on would be something like the noses. You notice that the characters' noses were all either triangles or circles. That was it. For the most part. I think Endicott's was sort of a bigger vegetable-looking protrusion. Yes. That was also the... 
help accentuate the fact that he was an aristocratic character. He had kind of an exaggerated look. Like That's my had, point. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Right. When everything's very simple, you can put the detail in to really showcase what you want to show. Exactly. And I enjoyed that art style. The The tone was, was great. It wasn't, you know, bright and vibrant and colorful. It, there was kind of a filter, I would, I would say. Um, That's a good word yeah. for it. You know, kind of sepia tone, but not really because there's still obvious pastel colors, but it was very muted. Yeah. And that helped create the mood of the, uh, and the atmosphere of the entire series, which that helps you, helps bring you in a little bit as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes you go, oh, yes, you're right. It is not going to be vibrant and colorful and almost seizure inducing. (laughs) Yeah. Like like some of those other shows on Cartoon Network. Right. As much as I love Steven Universe, there are moments where where I'm thinking, God damn, if I was epileptic. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's one of those shows, and one of the things I like about it is, and we've talked about the mood and the atmosphere and the mm-hmm. tone, it's, at first you think, okay, over the garden wall, you've got these characters, the way they look, you think it's going to be like, kind of Disney-esque in the way right. of like, uh, adventure and a fairy tale sort of thing, but it's more Grimm's fairy tales in mm-hmm. the way that it's presented, because like, even that first story with, I don't know if it's the with first the one or the second one, was the first one with the woodsman? Yes. Yeah, the first one was the woodman with, with the, the, the grist mill. Yes, with the wolf, or whatever, the, the yeah. creature, the, the beast, Yeah, right? The, right? Well, the quote-unquote beast. Yes. The, the, uh, the dog. The red herring, really. Right. Absolutely. And that's one of the yeah. things the show does really well, too, to jump a little bit, is this idea of we think we have something in the plot, and then they're really good at pulling the rug out from under you. Yeah, yep. but that was like, some great stuff, some great swerves. Yeah, but even from the first episode, the tone, you know, it, it's a little bit spooky. It's a little yep. bit, yeah. So I don't, I, I'm curious because you said your daughter has watched the show, and I know she has. I've seen her. Oh yeah, dance around. She's dancing, excited about it. We were watching it. And she was literally dancing to the music and songs. Yeah. So was there anything at all that did frighten her? I know she's kind of strong-willed, but was there anything, like, if you were a parent that you would be worried about, your son or daughter or whatever in your family watching it? Not really, no. Um, I could put I could put this on with my son, and he'd probably get enjoyment out of it. And he's okay. two. The, okay. on, the most grisly thing I can think about seeing in the show is the one, like, half-second flash of the beast's true form. Yeah. Which is pretty scary and pretty horrible faces. and gross. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's not like there's guts and blood and anything. It's just sort of unsettling. And I think it's the kind of unsettling that might even go over a younger kid's head. Right. To where when you become an adult, it becomes like, ugh. So, yeah, no, I I was perfectly fine with her watching it. We watched it together the first time, and Mm -hmm. she goes back to it occasionally. Yeah, it's nothing I worry about. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's just a good thing to mention. Cause, right, absolutely. Because it's, it's this Cartoon Network, and it's during their regular lineup. It was during their regular run, the regular lineup. It was primetime, I believe, when they first showed it. Right, so, but I mean, it's not, it wasn't Toonami or, or Adult Swim. No. This was, no, this no. was the, the the K through teen mm-hmm. blocks yeah. that you would be okay with. With your kids sitting down. With your kids sitting down and yeah. watching it. Yeah. It was obvious there was a conscientious effort to make sure that this was child-friendly, even to when they go, yes. We're going out to the cemetery <laughs> to drink age-appropriate drinks. That's a good line. That was almost age-appropriate drinks. That, you could hear the creator winking through that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Age-appropriate drinks. We're, we're we're not getting drunk at all. Wink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like juice? Yeah. Whatever. Nothing illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the characters a little bit because I feel like the characters and not even just. The characters and their personalities, but designs and, and things too of some of the 
secondary, the support characters are really interesting in this show. So, Absolutely. so what are some of your favorite characters, either main characters or support characters? One thing about the design that I really love is that it's not immediately obvious why Greg and Wirt, the two main characters, the brothers, are dressed the way they are. Yeah. Right. And so you don't know what era they're supposed to be or Absolutely. where they fit in or mm-hmm. it all does become answered. But for the first couple episodes, you're, you're kind of grappling with yeah it's like is this kid a gnome is this yeah. like his little baby gnome brother like what yeah, is going you, on you got a guy, yeah. yeah got a guy with a pointed hat and a cl- and a cloak and then his younger brother who's wearing literally a teapot oh, on his head brown overalls yeah. and yeah. a teapot on his head yeah. yeah so like it puts you right in a moment where you think you're in a Grimm's fairy tale with right. like these little children wandering around the forest lost and you're gonna get a witch who's gonna try to eat them or something yep. again it's that that rug pulled out from under you moment kind of oh. thing yeah, so like right from the beginning, that is cool. I like that design choice because yep. it. I like when works of television or books or something don't ground you with a bunch of exposition at the beginning. I like when they just mm-hmm. kind of throw you in media figure race. It out, figure it out yourself. Absolutely, and you yep. have to determine and find it out, and that's half the fun. Yep. That can be a lot of fun. I, and that was probably another reason I chose this, because it's a show that made you think a little bit. It didn't just spoon-feed you every bit of thing you need to know. So, but characters. Go uh, ahead, go ahead, Josh. You go first. I I enjoyed the character of Greg, the younger brother, because he was just this this. He was a delightful little scamp. He was cheery and optimistic. He always had fun. Potatoes and molasses. I mean, come on, potatoes and molasses. He's what a good time. He's kind of the Gur of the show. Yeah, that's not yeah a... Gur, but on his ADD meds. Yes, I would <laughs> I would definitely say that. Now you bring up Greg and. I didn't love Greg. It wasn't until some of the later episodes that I think I I think maybe the writing of Greg got better, or maybe the just the fact that I got used to him enough. You got more grounded in who the character was. Yes. Yeah. So like at first, those first several episodes, he kind of just annoyed me, mm-hmm. which is strange because people that know me know that I like those side characters who are kind of spastic and a little annoying. I would have figured you would have liked him. And and I was kind of upset with myself that I didn't like him as much as I did. Like, I told myself I should like you, but I just don't. I really don't. I I wonder if some of that was intentional to sort of put you in the mind of who Wirt is. Yeah. And maybe that you should feel sympathy for Wirt that he's he's dealing with. Such a handful. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. And I liked, if I was going to pick one character I really liked, I really liked Wirt. And I think maybe it's just because I felt bad for the kid. You know, he's the one in charge here, and not only is he trying to find his way home, but you're right. He has that, there's a bit of sympathy there in the fact that he's trying to wrangle his brother, who is more than a handful. Who is hell-bent on getting himself and everybody else killed. Absolutely. But doing it in such a way that he doesn't, like, he's not doing it maliciously no, in any not way. Malicious. He's just trying to He's adorable. But he's an adorable lunatic. As Absolutely. I said, he's a delightful little scamp. <laughs> That's a way to do it. Uh, Bill, if you had to kind of choose a character you really liked, who did you really enjoy? You know, I, I thought about this as we talked about it. I thought about it as we rewatched it. Greg cracks me up. Absolutely. He would probably be the one I have to ultimately land on. But I really do. I like Beatrice. She's interesting. I like Wirt. I get him. Uh, even the woodcutter is such a cool character. Yeah. And, for, and I like about the woodcutter... Throughout the whole thing, especially the beginning, you're not sure if he's the bad guy. You kind of wonder if he is, because in traditional Grimm's fairy tales, the woodcutter is usually kind of heroic. Right. That character is the one that will save whatever character is in distress. 
So you would think if they're constantly pulling the rug under from out from under you, that this woodcutter would be the bad guy, that they would flip it around. But they kind of double flip it. Yeah, he definitely makes you think he's got ill intentions. Yeah. He's secretive, he's short with the kids, mm-hmm. and he's obviously doing something that isn't so great. You're yeah. just not quite sure what. Right. So what is it about Beatrice you like? Because you said, you mentioned you really liked her character. What was it? Was it her arc? Was it the, her interactions with the other characters? What do you like about her? Twofold. One, the fact that she had the arc. You know, she made a mistake. Her whole family paid for it. She's trying to fix it and conflicted about, do I fix it the easy way and hurt somebody else? Mm-hmm. Or So the whole arc was really cool. Yeah. And on a smaller level, just sort of that sarcastic irritated with both of them (laughs) yeah that personality is great Um, yeah just the eye rolls one of the things i liked about beatrice was she was i think in a lot of ways a play on the woodland character she was yes you know most of the time we have the woodland character sidekick they're adorable they're (laughs) sweet they're chirpy they like to have fun they get into the shenanigans no this is the one that goes no go in there get directions come out exactly right yeah, I like that about and, her. And, and she was constantly annoyed with the boys. She didn't sing songs. She she avoided all the all the shenanigans as much as possible. I thought that was fun. But yeah. what I find interesting about that is that you, in the middle of the series, you get this really interesting dynamic between Wirt and her, where like you can tell that she is struggling because once we find out, you know, she's supposed to be sacrificing the boys. You can tell it's not just the struggling with that decision, but I think she really does care for Wirt a lot. Yeah. And she knows that her decision is ultimately going to ruin that friendship or relationship or whatever she's going to get out of it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a crush there. I, I think they, play, they played with that a little bit at certain points. Yeah. I got that feeling, too. Yeah, she's an interesting character. What about side characters? If you had to pick one side character... From, aside from the main characters that you really enjoyed either as a character or their design, who would it be? Fred. Remind me who Fred is. The horse. Oh, the horse. The okay. horse was, Fred the horse was pretty great. Or the horse was pretty <laughs> Fred, amazing. He gets so obsessed with stealing at Endicott's manor. <laughs> he wrecks the place. Endicott gets gets furious. He goes, oh, don't try to steal anything. I'll never steal again. Just... <laughs> Let's steal some more. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite side character was, and I can't remember her name, and I, it just comes from one of my favorite episodes, the daughter or the niece or whatever of the, in the house they go to, where they say, Le- "Don't Le- wake Auntie Whispers." Yeah, Lenore, they, wasn't it? Was it Lenore? Was it Lenore? I think it was. Oh, that's interesting. If it was Lenore, honestly, bring it up real quick, because yeah, okay. or Lorelai, it was something. There's Lorna. Is Lorna, that was what it was. Lorna. Lorna. I'm okay. sorry. No, never mind. So yeah, Lorna. So the character, yeah, of Lorna, I really enjoyed her because again, one of those things they flip the script on you. They have this creepy character, Auntie Whispers, which is really a creepy-ass name for a character. Oh, yeah. And she is fucking scary. And then it turns out she's not the bad one. It's the daughter who has some sort of, like, weird spirit or whatever. Well, that, not like, daughter. She was... Well, and yeah. niece or whatever it is, or, or, or ward, I guess you might yeah, say. Yeah, ward is probably the best Probably one. the best term for it. I don't think they're, they're legitimately yeah, related. I don't think so either. Auntie Whispers is trying to literally keep the weird demon whatever is living inside of her at bay. That was cool. Yes. I enjoyed that story. I enjoyed that character immensely. So I would have to choose her. Her and uh, Adelaide both. I mean, they're supposed to be sisters, for mm-hmm. one, as they we find at the end of the episode. Both of them were cool designs. Yeah. And 
it's interesting. They both were vocal drag performances. Essentially, yes, yes, um, absolutely. You know, Tim Curry as Anti Whispers and mm-hmm. and John Cleese as Adelaide of the par- mm-hmm. of the Pasture, which um, are two fantastic actors that I love. Yeah, and just being incredibly cool, scary old women. Yeah, that was so great. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that added something to that particular casting decision. Yes, definitely. Plot wise. I do want to talk about and touch on the fact that one of my favorite things about this, and it might sound, again, weird, is that this was a miniseries. And it was kind of done in a way that, even though there were like 12-minute episodes and there were only 10 episodes, it felt really complete. Everything felt kind of connected. Mm -hmm. And when you got to the end, you were like, I am happy with this. I don't need any more. Right. And that's one of the things that you see in cartoons, and not just cartoons, but like television shows in general, especially Western ones. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that anime doesn't do this as some series as well. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Naruto. Uh, you know, where it overstays its welcome. And I think that this was just perfect, it was the tight. amount. Now, there were some things that I thought I felt were filler still, but they still serve some purpose. Right. And I really enjoyed how I could sit down and watch this quickly, and it felt really satisfying. Right. It's definitely a quick watch. I mean, as you said, 12-minute episodes, 10 episodes, so 120 minutes. You want to watch it in one chunk, you got two hours. did the math all by himself. That's so I'm so proud of you. That's impressive. What can I say? He picked something up from all those lessons that I gave you in math. Throw a dart at the dartboard eventually, you'll get a bullseye. That's just true. Clock broke, but yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> anyway, it is quick. The episode length, for what it is that they're accomplishing, I think was good in the fact that, man, there is some weird stuff on this show. There's some there really is. outlandish stuff, and there are times where you just need to sit back and go, okay, I need to digest this. I don't need a full 30 minutes mm-hmm. of all of this at once. Yeah, I, right. Yeah, they're great about getting both of the series as a whole and each episode. Yeah. They get in, they do what they need right. to do, and they get out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is something that, that if they went longer, it could have worked, it could have gone horribly against it and create, cause I'm not gonna lie, there were moments where it felt like it kinda went on, or, you know, kinda no, dragged right. places. And these are 12 minute episodes. Right. Right. So, if they had gone the standard 30 minute or even 15 minute route, mm-hmm. Man, well, I mean, that what be was tough. that episode eight where they did the extended sort of heaven cloud? Yes, the scene where Greg essentially goes to heaven and finds like all these weird scene people, which was neat stylistically, an art style yes. again. You had all these calls to like different old school animation yeah. eras, yeah, which the, makes 20s, sense. The the thir- the twenties, thirties, and he, then he went to he went to animation 50s. heaven. Right. Like, he literally went to a place where all these old cartoons go to die. Right. And he's, you see the Betty Boop style, and you see the old-fashioned Disney style, and you right. see all of it, all kind of coalesced into one. And visually, it's awesome, but story-wise, and the, it the, didn't serve much. The impact of the episode in the beginning and the end yes. was very good. Yes, but the middle part was not. And I think part of that was to sort of highlight that they're in another dimension, that there is... Other stuff going other on. Other stuff going on, yeah. and... It was literally Greg goofing around when he should have been 
focused on his focused task. on doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, I agree. And paying the price for it at the end of the episode. Absolutely, right. that's true. So there was a point for it, but it does feel fillery, mm-hmm. and we had to kind of fast forward some of that, watching it again before we recorded, mm-hmm. simply because I've already seen it three times. And yeah, like, I, think, I, I, I think, don't think any of this needs to be seen. Again. I think just on the whole, that episode served a point to see. This is what happens when. Greg is off the chain when he right. doesn't have work to pull to finally pull him back. Exactly. But I didn't need to see it a fourth time. Right. Exactly. That was a great example of, this is Greg when you have yeah. him free. They had a reason to do it. Yeah. Anything else that kind of yeah. stands out about the series uh, that we have not talked about yet? I love the, the callbacks and the tie-togethers. If you go back and you watch the first episode again... You know, you'll see the frog playing piano. You'll see... I need to go back and rewatch. watch You'll see the black cat, uh, Enoch, from... Pottsfield, driving a cart pulled by two turkeys. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I see. I've only watched the series through one time, right? So I feel like and I need to go back and rewatch it a, real quick. A real couple quick. boys with a small toy steamship that looks like the one from the uh, Frog episode. The Frog episode. I haven't. That was such a weird episode. I liked it. Like, I love that episode. Visually, it's so much fun. It is. It's just like it feels like a really weird like steamboat willy but also a little bit of mark twain because you've got a steamboat but you also have like these frogs so it kind of ties back to a story of the celebrated jumping frogs so you have like a weird kind of mash of like these styles which right. is so cool and again not to not to take from game ball too much but they talked about it there too there's such this weird americana mm-hmm. vibe almost to the point that it gets hipstery a little bit, but in a good way. It, it's it's very. I don't know if it's colonial or if it's. Are you talking about the series overall? Just you, in general, okay, the yeah. series. I mean, that was definitely one of the, the shining mm-hmm. points of it. Like, I would be very interested where they think the show's set. Yeah, the real world of the show is set. Mm-hmm. Like, what town does? Yeah, what town? And I'm also curious about the time period because of the fact that he made a mixtape. He makes a mixtape, but Sarah doesn't have any way to play it. Yes. Right. So it's got to be right there on that cusp of... But he randomly has a Civil War era, like... Well, I, that could be a reenactor. I guess it could be. Reenactment, yeah. or, fam- you know, long time ago you had a family that fought that in the Confederacy. Be. Well, it was blue. Yeah, I think... I thought, it was confe- I thought that was gray. No, I think it's no. not blue. Blue is... Blue? Yeah, blue is gray. Yeah, okay. gray is Confederacy. Yeah, Great, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. not let's not open that can of worms. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> right. not 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 necessarily the right time to be talking yeah, about yeah. that. No, it yeah. was it was a dark blue, so it okay, was a union. Okay. And I can't imagine any family just like leaves their great 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 grandpappy's Civil War uniform in a trunk in the uh, <laughs> I imagine. attic. Yeah, I I'm imagine. sure it was either literally a costume or like a reenactor costume mm-hmm. or something. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's how I took it, at least. Right. And. I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, and I apologize because you can you can re- rein me back if you're still talking about whatever we were just kind of discussing. I can't remember because I'm really tired because I'm back to work. I like the the little bits of diversity that you see in it, but they don't call, call, it, call out. it out. Like you have the love interest. I can't remember her name now. Sarah. Is it Sarah? Okay. Yeah. Sarah, who even though she's wearing like this like pale white zombie or, or skeleton type thing, you can see that she's probably african-american i thought that was kind of interesting you have i, I thought i thought maybe she was latina because she might be i, was, I thought there was kind of a uh, dia de los muertes oh you might be right yeah, actually actually costume. you might be right that's how i, 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 I think about that i was thinking she was probably more of an indian gal 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I and I think one of the other kids kind of seemed like he might have been Indian as well too. Right, right. And there was just a small little thing too, where the awkward kid was trying, who was uh, what's his the guy the person? Oh, last Jason Funderburker. Thank you. When Jason, <laughs> he's the total package. Yeah, see the total package. When the total package, Lex Luger was uh, <laughs> was trying to mac on Sarah, and it wasn't working. I'm gonna kiss you on the chunky wrap. <laughs> <laughs> God, um, that is not his voice. That is at not all. his voice, but. It's interesting. He sounds how, like a frog because that's what the yes, oh, yeah. that's the that's the tie-in. But it's interesting how this guy tries to be with her, but then she's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not interested." And he's even kind of like not interested. And then this other kid, this other male kid's like, "You can hold my hand if you want." And then they at the very end they're holding hands. And it's just like little <laughs> things like I don't that mind. that I really I really mind. like. I just like that Was diversity. That I, yeah, I I think I'm the, almost I th- positive. I'm thinking. Either way, there wasn't really any. There wasn't a lot. Yeah, of... yeah. There's no definition of the gender there. Right. But it's and that's fine too. And that's fine too. And I love that. I love when they can pull in diversity, but not like make a big deal about like, oh, we're two guys together, or hey, I'm black, or hey, whatever. You know. Right. I love that. That's really great. Yeah, it is. It's nice. So you know, I guess what I'm saying is. The worst I... police officer ever. <laughs> I love the cop. The cop <laughs> is great. For what, like, five lines he gets. <laughs> he is one of my it's favorite characters. Some of the best Quit running down the street. No, uh, I'm just kidding. kidding. You're under arrest. I'm kidding. I guess overall, if I if we're going to kind of bring, kind of summing up, because I, I feel like we've covered a lot in a very short amount of time yeah, already. Yeah, right. And this might be a which, little bit which shorter. Which is kind of how the show is. It is. So I think, like, that's okay if this I, is a shorter yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Works for me. So I guess for me, overall, kind of in summary, is that going in at the very beginning, I was a little iffy on it. I really was. I was a little, a little iffy on it. But, like, I am just really surprised at how good this series was. I really am. And there were a few not as necessarily as good spots in the beginning, but everything came together really well. The characters were really interesting. The The, the acting was really mm-hmm. interesting. And again, the pacing, it was just really, really good show. I, I feel like you're liking it more the more we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Know. Right. And I, that's, and that's, that's how we fine. were Trigun though, too. Yeah. Like yeah. we loved Trigun, but then we got to talking about it and I'm just like, God, I fucking love this show. Nice callback. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can see all the little nuances when we're discussing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Starting out, I was like, ah, I'm not so sure because there was a part of me I was thinking, are they trying to be weird for weird sake or are they trying to be Oh, we've got this crazy thing going on because we're artistic. And then the, the, as we kind of got into it, it was like, no, there's actually, it's not either of those things, but there was kind of a, a feel at first, like, look at how deep we are by being so. I think there, you're there's right. A, yeah, there's a little bit of, like I said, it, you could see where it's a little hipster. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see the, if the writer was a dude to be, you know, wearing a plaid shirt. He's got a man skin, bun for sure. And skinny being, skinny. Skinny beans. I don't know about Skinny I don't know about man and... bun, but definitely like thick glasses, like yeah. and thick horn room glasses and a beard, a beard. Yeah, yeah. I'm so deep. Yeah, no, I got that vibe too at the beginning. Right, but, but, but then as it, as it yeah. got on, and you could see it, there was actually a cohesive story that the the oddness helped bring out this really interesting story and a really great story about brothers essentially finding finding it within themselves to love each other. Yeah, because we're almost hated Greg. Greg yes. he, he was he was a burden, he was a challenge, he was mm-hmm. just 
<sighs> yeah, there's and definitely the, some growth. At the end, he does this breakthrough, and, and yeah. So, Bill, <laughs> since this was your choice, I'll let we'll let you have the last words on kind of your what drew you to the series. Just, I mean, just kind of in sum in summary. Really, the last thing about it is that style, that kind of spooky, kind of otherworldly, kind of old Americana. And yes, maybe even a little hipstery, but in a way I can totally digest. It's got a feel to it that I can't put my finger on. Mm-hmm. And then like we've talked about how clever it is, how it makes a point of defying the tropes and keeping you from quite understanding what's going on. Yeah. Again, it was great to just sit with my daughter and watch. Mm-hmm. And I got I to gotta shout out Pottsfield even, because that's probably my favorite episode. And that's the one that really drew me to it. Weird gourd cult. Yeah, that was so weird. That Once turns out to this... be even darker. Yeah, yeah no, this, you are you absolutely on, right. You can never take it off. And then find out, yeah, they've been unearthing their, their dead and just... Yeah, well, I and... expected it to be... The opposite, where like once the, the the stinger at the end would be like, oh, they're just random people in those costumes. But nope, this is like fucking weird. And I think it was a nice little twist on the whole undead trope. Instead of them being yes. b- mindless, uh, bloodthirsty, brain-eating zombies, they're like, oh, hey, my name's Phil. I live down the street. <laughs> Which is great. Well, the town's called Pottsfield. Do you know what a Potter's Field is? It's a uh, it's a it's a cheap uh, cemetery. It's a, it's, for it's a cemetery for the poor, the broke, the unnamed, mm, the, the disenfranchised. Yep. So essentially, this is a mass grave of the poor who are giving a second chance at life. Yeah, that's just and so they're crazy. really nice. And yeah, it's almost like they came across because we didn't even really talk about the. It's sort of the, the, the world itself is the unknown. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a place for forgotten things. Mm-hmm. It's almost purgatory. That's yeah. a really good and way that, to describe I it. I had thought about that too when you, when you made the, uh, when you made a reference to, uh, divine comedy. You know, I was thinking about it and I was like, does that mean the unknown's purgatory? I guess it makes sense considering how at the end they were essentially drowning. Yeah. No time has actually passed. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I love, I, I know it's kind of a trope. Why in the Witch in the Wardrobe, even? But I fucking love when stories do that and can do it effectively. Right. It's so great. It's just one of those moments I really enjoy. I mean, I think that's a great point to say that, yeah, it is it is purgatory. They were dying and were had to find a reason to live, essentially. Because at, po- at that point, he was fed up with, with Greg. Everything that was in his life at that point had gone to shambles. Yep. So he could have easily just gone away, and I could have seen being the idle, becoming an idlewood tree, accepting your death. Yep, yep. It was fantastic. At the very end, it was very, very fulfilling. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was worth watching. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that is our review then of Over the Garden Wall. Go watch it. It is available on Hulu. And I don't, they're not playing it currently on Cartoon Network, I don't, I wouldn't think. I, think I don't think probably, so, but I don't have cable anymore. Yeah, so I don't either. Neither do I. I bet, though with Halloween Come coming up, away. they may. They may. Yeah. They may replay it, so. Oh, be fun. Yeah, so definitely go check that out. I think it is very much worth it. Before we head out next time, we're going to have one final summer viewing program, and it is going to be my choice, and we're going live action, guys. Oh, my. Great unknown. Yes, we're moving away from animation. I like that. <laughs> nice. Clever. Well, well done. We're Clever moving boy. away from animation to review season one of Newsroom, an HBO comedy slash drama that will... Dramedy! It's, a, it's an Aaron Sorkin thing. Yes, it's an Aaron Sorkin thing. So yeah. if you have not watched that, you can definitely check that out 
on if you have the HBO Go. If you have Amazon um, Prime, I think you can get it through that specifically as well. So go check that out. I don't believe it's on any other streaming service aside from that. But it is really good. Trust me, you will enjoy it. So we'll be back talking about a show with actual actors and not just voices and over cartoons. It'll be weird. It's probably be the only time we do that unless we do, uh, I don't know, some sort of weird episode where we have to watch a live action Sailor Moon or some other live action thing. That'll be next time, but until then, this has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s meander aimlessly in a purgatory-like state. I mean, that's pretty accurate. That's <laughs> so true. I mean, they don't really see us. We're just voices floating in their ears. The way we did this episode, we just sort of meandered back and forth. We did meander, but I think it was good. We died three years ago, actually. Oh, God. This is dark. This is Bill's hell. Oh, my God. Are we going to be reborn when we take that ship up into the air and just kind of go through the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff? Oh, man. That's just another level of hell that Bill doesn't want to go through. Ah. No. Okay. I'm Josh. My name's Andy. I'm Bill. And we will see you next time. Can I still be big Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Tuning Japanese is part of the Questionable Endeavor Network. For more information on other podcasts and articles, check out questandnetwork.com. While you're there, listen to more great podcasts like the Shadowvane Podcast, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, Raw Attitude Podcast, Geek and Gamer Guild, the Slasher Sanitarium, Pwn Stars, New Blood Rising, and our newest show, Words of Geekdom. to do? Here, Miss Langtree, play something like this. Oh, like this? Uh, good enough. <laughs> oh, potatoes and molasses. If you want some, oh, just ask us the warm and soft like puppies and socks filled with cream and candy rocks. Oh, potatoes and molasses. They're so much sweeter than algebra class. If your stomach is grumbling and your mouth starts mumbling, there's only one thing to keep your brain from crumbling. Oh, potatoes and molasses. If you can't see them, put on your glasses. They're shiny and large, like a fisherman's barge. You know you eat enough when you start seeing stars. Oh, potatoes and molasses. It's the only thing left on your tusk. Was they're short and stout to make everyone shout for potatoes and molasses. For potatoes and... That's enough!